Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Perspective Transformation Radio, enjoying its 10th anniversary, often the number one live airing broadcast on Blog Talk Radio, and reaching a global audience of over 185,000 listeners. During this hour-long interview-style program, you'll meet Perspective Transformers, who come to share their most pivotal, life-changing insights and aha moments, offering you instant access to life, leadership, and God-loving seismic shifts of your own. We encourage you to invite friends to join you here now, or share quotes with attribution, and also reach out to our sponsor, WomenSpeakers.com. WomenSpeakers.com is the most popular online connecting place for Christian event planners and Christian women speakers since 2002. I'm your host, Marnie Swedberg, and I encourage you to grab a notepad and get ready to meet today's Perspective Transformer. Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie, and excited to have you with us this afternoon for a program we're calling Fear Busters, How to Live by Faith in the Face of Fear. During this hour, you're going to discover how to view yourself from God's perspective, the one truth that will set you free from fear, how to keep up your courage, what it takes to take a risk, how to avoid letting your painful experiences make you bitter, how to press past your pain, how to trust God to reposition your journey, why where you live, life matters, how to embrace the moment, not the madness, and how to get back up and or start over after trauma or tragedy. Our guest today is R.J. Jackson, the courage giver. She has survived three car accidents, a brain injury, and is one of 50,000 people diagnosed with a rare eye disease. RJ inspires women to live beyond their fears, and her website is thecouragegiver.com. Welcome to you, RJ. Well, thank you, beautiful. Thank you so much for having me. It is such a pleasure to be here today. Well, I love you, and I have known of you and your ministry and been partnered with you over at womenspeakers.com for many, many years and just marvel at what God has done in and through your life. And I can't even, with you, my dear, I can't even say despite all of the trauma. I have to say because of through and for his glory through all that trauma, right? (laughs) Absolutely. And we give him all the glory because without him, nothing. That's how you describe me, nothing. (laughs) But because Mm -hmm. of him, Mm -hmm. I am who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so beautiful. You know, you have lived through um, so much serious, really serious, serious stuff. And when you look back over your life, is there is there one moment maybe that bubbles to the surface right now, just as we're talking? Um, is there a, a moment that bubbles to the surface where you kind of had an aha moment and it changed how you perceived challenges and trials? Well, I will. I really want to say right now. <laughs> mm, you're in I can it. look back, and there's so many blessings mm. that I've experienced. There's so many barriers that I've overcome by God's grace. Honestly, I really want to say right now because the truth is, Marty, you don't know how to live. I didn't know how to live until I almost died. And right now in this moment is the moment that's a aha, I'm alive. Aha, I'm alive. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> That's quotable. You don't know how to live until you've almost died. That's, uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I've had some, I've had many experiences that literally death knocked on my door and I'm so grateful for them all, but I'm really grateful for the upbringing that I had. My parents, I always say God created me. William and Rhoda Jackson conceived me and my ninth grade sister, My ninth grade teacher, Sister Marge, saw potential in me. And I promise you, those aha moments when I was coming up and those moments in school where everybody else said, nah, but Sister Marge said, yes, there's something Mm -hmm. there. They became aha moments that said to me, I'm worth it. I am worthy. I am enough. And that was way back when I was like 16 years old. That's where it yeah. first got started hmm. for me. Hmm. Wow, cool. Let's talk first about your perspective of how God views you. So this can be really a shift for us when we get our arms around the reality of how God sees us. When you think of that, God's perspective of you, RJ, uh, what, do you, what do you believe that he sees in you? Well, I'm going to start with the phrase, she is, because God says, this is who I am. She is clothed in righteousness. She is clothed in strength and dignity. She is the apple of my eye. She is more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. She is the head and not the tail. So those Mm -hmm. things right there let me know that she is, and I am she, loved for Mm -hmm. God's so loved the world that he gave his son for RJ, the hot mess that she was, so that she might have life and that more abundantly. So I say that God sees me as his own, and then he holds the mirror up and tells me, look, girl, this is you. Mm-hmm. And I get to see a reflection of him. And here's what I believe. When we know who we are, life has meaning. It's when we don't know who we are that we get all confused and twisted up and discombobulated. Right. Absolutely. There's a song out right now that's called Just Be Held. And I like the line in it. When your eyes eyes are on the waves, you wonder if I love you still. But when your eyes are on the cross, you know I always have and I always will. You know, that different perspective of, looking at things through our eyes of limited ability, limited resources, limited time, limited everything, versus looking at things through the eyes of God, which is we are his, we're redeemed, we're loved, we're beautiful, we're, you know, we are, God's been speaking to me, you are perfect the way you are, Marnie, and I don't feel perfect, RJ, I feel anything but perfect, and from, of course, you know, the reality of the sin nature I still have there's still lots of work that God has to do on me it's not that it's not that I'm going to stop allowing him to um, redeem the portions of me that are still broken and wounded but from his perspective it's perfect right now in this moment him and me there's nothing I need to change in this moment safe in his arms Uh, when you when you are feeling afraid how do you perceive yourself in God's presence? Do you actually run into the throne room or do you have a picture in your head of that? 
when I'm afraid, I just have to have this thing called a memory. Hmm. And that memory is what I know. And one thing I can share with you, honestly, is that I lost a lot of my memory in a car accident that I had where I, as you shared earlier, survived a brain injury. And a lot of that memory is like gone. But the memory that just won't leave me is the memory of knowing what God said. Mm -hmm. What he said is fear not, meaning we are going to have times that we fear, but we've got to know. We've got to know what his promise is. And so taking that step of faith, which is what I live by, because as you shared in my bio, one of 50,000 people with a rare eye disease, I literally have to walk by faith and not by sight. So if I'm just walking naturally, I don't know what I'm doing, where I'm going, what I see. I have to trust him. And the same mm-hmm. thing holds true for me in my life. When fear comes upon me, I have to go, wait, Lord, I got to trust you. you. You didn't bring me this far to just go do it yourself, RJ. <laughs> no, he he's true to his word. So what I do is remember what the Bible says, worry about nothing, Pray about everything. Worry about nothing. <laughs> Pray about everything. So I am, girlfriend, a prayer warrior. <laughs> yeah, you bet. You bet. So what is the truth that sets us free from fear? The truth that sets us free from fear is believing God at his word. It doesn't get clearer than that. It's not about me. It's not about you. Although I like to think I'm all that in a bag of chips, even chips taste better with a little bit of dip. And that dip in my life and our life has to be faith. We don't, we don't see it. We just believe it. We just have to be willing to take that risk with confidence and trust that God started something good in us and he is without a shadow of a doubt. He's going to complete it. Yeah, I I think about, you know, going through seasons where it is terrifying. And I mean, I just said to, I said to two separate people in the last 24 hours, you have a lot of reasons to be afraid right now, to be very afraid, but God. You know, and then there you go on from the but God part, you know. So when you're, I know that a lot, some of your recoveries have just been pretty horrific, um, uh, long. And when you're going through a long season of being um, down under the circumstances of life, how do you keep your courage up? Oh, that's a great question. Because sometimes... I don't keep my courage up. I have to get my courage up. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's gone, so right. Let me, yes. So let me share a little story, a really quick story with you. After this last accident that I had, was what, which was really major, like after the accident, I couldn't talk. And I don't know if you can even imagine that. I'm a professional, international <laughs> right. speaker. I'm speaking right. all over the world. And then I can't talk, like literally mm-hmm. can't talk. And I'm, I'm laying in the bed one day and my daughter brings me the mail. 
And in that mail, there was a letter, kind of bulky. I opened it up, and there was a pen and note that said, thank you for your years of service. And it was from the Ontario International Airport where I had volunteered. And as I laid there, it hit me. I'm not able to do this anymore. I'm not able to do what I love. And that was the very first time that it really hit me of where I was living. And at that moment, I just cried out to God and I said, God, you saved my life. You spared me for a reason. And I'm not quite sure what it is because I can't even talk. So I, I need you to help me, to show me. And I promise you, God made it so clear to me what that reason was. And he told me that I'm going to have to have the courage to get up. And I'm going back to what I said earlier and trust him. And courage is being afraid, but going anyway. And I don't know if you can imagine this, not being able to talk after being on stages around the world. I was afraid. No, yeah. I was afraid. But I had to realize this. I didn't want to be one of those people who were not living my dreams because I was too busy living my fear. Mm-hmm. Living in a world of, well, what is God and, and how? So I said, okay, I got to get up. And I realized when I got up, when I kept my courage up, I was blessed and able to bless others, even in the condition that I was in. Yeah. I couldn't talk, but I got on a computer and I started writing to people and encouraging mm-hmm. their hearts because I got up my courage. Not only was I blessed, but I was able to bless others indeed. So, yes, we do fall down, but we do have to be willing to pick up and get up our courage so that we can stay blessed indeed. Hmm. So one of the things that you talk about is risk-taking, and you know, in my own life, I am a big risk taker in certain areas of my life, and I take zero risks in other areas. For example, I am not probably going to go skydiving anytime in my in my life on Earth unless I have to. Um, not risk taking that way, but big risk taker in other ways. You know, I'll I'll just put something right out there that's really vulnerable, take a big risk, and do that. When you think about risk taking, uh, I think of your life and I think, okay, just living has cost you so much. You have had to, uh, you have gone through such trauma without taking a lot of risks of your, I mean, this like these car accidents, this is not your own fault. So when you think of risks, put that into perspective for us. What are you thinking about? And then what is your understanding of taking risks? Thank you for asking me that. First, let me just dive into what you said about not going to be the one jumping out that plane. That's just too bad because I'm really looking for somebody and I was considering inviting you. <laughs> but okay, I did it. <laughs> not me. Keep dialing. I, I did it. You know, don't feel bad. That's what everyone says to me. Not me. So, But it's okay. Watch for me because I'm going to be doing it soon. And that's what a risk is. I think the biggest risk we take is not taking the risk. 
Uh, yeah. Because we'll never know unless we take a risk, big or small, we'll never know. Just recently, my granddaughters went on a cruise with their mom, and they had an opportunity to have all this food that they never would have experienced outside of that cruise. And one of my granddaughters ate everything. She took a risk. My other granddaughter said, no way, Jose, I'm not eating those frog legs. <laughs> but here's the truth. The biggest risk is not taking the risk. God said in his word, being confident of this. And when we're confident, we are able to take a risk with confidence. So what does that look like for me? Every single day I get up, I take a risk. Because having the eye condition that I have and people thinking I see what they see is a risk. Every day, people look at me and go, hey, RJ, how you doing? And they're waving, and I can't see their hands. I took a risk in stepping out that door for that to happen. So big or small, no matter what, if we're going to grow, we have to take healthy risk. And that's a matter of just trusting God with what he's given us. I'm wondering if I have kind of a miss. Um, a misunderstanding of the word risk in my mind. So I think possibly it's something like, you know, some people consider meek as weak, but yet in the Bible, we understand that Jesus was meek and he was of course the most powerful being on the planet earth. Uh, so he, it wasn't that he was weak. It was that he was choosing to be humble. Okay. So there's, mm-hmm. there's those two understandings of the word meek, either, either, like Jesus choosing to be humble or just simply being weak. When I think of the word risk, I think of it in a negative way, RJ. And so I'm curious, I'm curious about it um, in that a risk to me seems like a foolish venture. That's what a risk seems like to me versus, um, versus something that I thought about, I've planned, like actually jumping from an airplane is probably no more risky than, you know, some other things. Uh, it's just, it's just, if you're called to do it, if, you know, if that's in your heart to do, then, then go do it. So when I think, how is it that you don't think of risk as a, um, as an unwise venture? Because I think money of everything I do as trusting God. So in his plan for my life. So when I think of risk, I think of the importance in my value and my core system, which is healthy. So I'm not going to take a risk and say, oh, let me, let me do these drugs and see what happens. That is foolish. You're right. It, it's not healthy. Taking a risk for me is being able to go beyond what you believe you are capable of doing within yourself. So that means I've got to look for God. And trust God with it. It may be something simple, like I said, that eating the food on the cruise, like, no, what if, always appears. But taking the risk saying, what if I don't? When we take a risk, instead of saying, what if this happens? What if I don't take the risk? What if I miss the experience? What if I don't have the opportunity to bless somebody else because I was afraid to do something? Yeah. So you think of risk more like being brave, being daring, stepping out in faith. That's kind of your definition. Yes. 
and yeah. courageous okay. as the Bible tells be, us to be. Be courageous. Yes, that's awesome. Not foolish. That's awesome. <laughs> Not foolish. Right. And then, you know, back to our conversation about skydiving or whatever, um, I I really firmly believe that God gives us the courage to do the things that he puts in our heart to do. And that he doesn't, why would he need to give us courage to do the things that he isn't calling us to? Like, it's just not on my, it's just not on my radar to go skydiving. So why would he, I need courage for it? I don't need courage for it because I don't plan to do it. But now I'm going to, I'm going to go around the world. I'm going to speak 26 times in, in 20 days in four different countries to all these different cultures with translators and all this. And I have courage to do that. So I have courage and I, I am willing to take the risks, if you would, involved with that travel because God's called me to them. And, and that's right. I think this beautiful walk with Christ is that what he calls us to, he will equip us to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. So cool. Although Talk sometimes to we have oh, the tools, right? But I'm sorry. Although sometimes we have the tools because he's already equipped us, but we're too afraid to use them. Well, I believe that happens too. I mean, I think a lot of things haven't been done in the world because of fear. <laughs> yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. For sure. But I think just, I guess let's just pursue this a little bit further. Because this has actually, this has actually been uh, a point that I think gets, gets missed in the world, is that just because something exists to do does not mean that you need to do it, you know. Uh, Absolutely. I, I just, yeah, I think, I think there's lots of great things out there that I'm just never going to do. Um, in this lifetime, uh, one of them is going to Bora Bora. It's funny because a lot of people like Bora Bora, but if you've ever looked at pictures of the resorts in Bora Bora, it's absolutely amazing. They go out on the water and they have glass bottoms and you can see the sea life under you. And it's amazing. And my sister and I were both married to our own husbands who are both named Dave on the same day, five years apart, August 13th, uh, is our, both of our anniversaries and we're just bestest friends. And we just had talked one time about wouldn't it be fun on one of our big anniversaries to go to Bora Bora to take this romantic trip to Bora Bora. Well, I priced it out and it would cost somewhere between $35,000 and $50,000 to do this. And it was hilarious. My response to that, RJ, was I think I'm going to invest that money differently and look for that in heaven. So and that's kind of what I think about a lot of things on earth that I could do, but a lot of things I'm not called to do they sound good or they look good or whatever, but they're not for me to do, even though they exist on earth. Absolutely. And it sounds like you just had an anniversary. So happy anniversary. We did 36 years. Thank you so much. And by wow. the grace of God, are we? Wow. Thank you for being yeah. an example of what God said mm. marriage should look like for staying in while so many people are falling out. Thank you for mm. your choice to stay in. Yeah, you bet. Well, let's go ahead and talk about how to avoid letting painful experiences make us bitter. And of course, all of us know the phrase we hear all the time, well, you can get bitter or you can get better. But how? We do have that choice, don't we? We can't help what happens to us, but we can help how we respond to it. And one of the best ways to respond to everything that's happening in life to us is to ask ourselves, I'm going to say one of the best ways, is to ask ourselves, what can I learn from this? How can I grow? And how is it that I can use this experience to bless and encourage someone else? Hmm. So it's keeping our mind on the main thing. 
And the main thing really is the end result. And sometimes <laughs> we don't see the end result because we're so focused on what's happening. And that's why we get bitter. That's why it doesn't make us better. The end result says you're a winner and this is going to work out for your good and somebody's going to be blessed from that. But while we're going through it, we don't see that. So mm-hmm. how do we keep from being bitter? We ask ourselves, how is this going to bless someone else? What can I learn from this? And how can I grow from this? Mm-hmm. Even while it's painful. One more thing I'd like to share we can do is give yourself time to process right. what's happening. So maybe what you're going through, you decide, okay, you know what? This really hit me hard. Like, really hit me hard. I've had some things in life that really hit me hard. And I had to decide, how long am I going to let my tears flow? Because <laughs> I can't mm-hmm. stop them right now, but I can determine they're not going to flow for four days. I can say, you know what, I'm going to cry this out today, and at the end of this day, I'm done with this. God's going to give me a new way of perceiving this. Or I can say, oh, I'm going to cry for a month because woe is me. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to get mad at someone, and then that anger is going to turn into bitterness. And then we're going to wonder, well, what happened? Hmm. Yeah, give yeah, me some time a- the process. I had a conversation about this earlier today with somebody and we were talking about grief and how critically important it is to allow your time, allow yourself time to grieve. Um, It's all through scripture we see, but the difference is that we don't grieve as the world grieves. So the world experiences loss as eternal. When you lose someone, they're gone, they're gone, you know, and as a Christian, we have the beautiful gift of, perceiving our losses as momentary afflictions, momentary separations, um, even even the losses of, of things, it's just a thing. And I get to go spend eternity in heaven with God. So, but it is so important to take time to grieve. And we were having this discussion about, um, so when I grieve, I, I grieve very deeply, depending on what it is, of course, I, I, I can grieve very deeply. I was talking about an experience that I had just recently where I, I cried so hard, I nearly hyperventilated. It was just a very, very uh, sad loss of a loved one. And um, and after that, then I just, I was just fine. And then it would hit me again at, at different points. And I would, I would do a little more crying or whatever, what, and just run that, run that grief to Jesus. Let him comfort me right there. And I'll still, I cried about this morning for a few minutes, but it was funny that, um, that as we allow God to comfort us, even if we, if, even if we don't see anything that good could come out of it, even if we don't have the whole big picture and we never really will until heaven, but uh, we can really find a lot of comfort in Christ in that this too is just part of our human experience and the grieving has to happen. But then there's this amazing truth that God can bring good out of anything. You know, Romans 8, 28, we all love that verse. Absolutely. And as you were talking, it came to mind, and thank you so much for sharing what you just shared. It did bring a picture to my mind as well. We get bitter because we don't let go and we don't let God work it out for our Mm -hmm. good and for his glory. We hold on to it. Uh, We cause 
these conversations, this record to play in our head that's negative, and then we created this situation that makes it worse and not better. Then we're mad at the world. Then we don't forgive people. And it's that unforgiveness is like being stung by a bee. And I remember one time I was driving my car, and a bee got in my car and stung me. It literally caused me to let go of the steering wheel, run into the curb, and then I finally, like, put the car in park and tried to figure out what just happened here. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Then I figured out it was a bee, and I'm telling the bee, you're going to die, but um, he's already (laughs) dead. But <laughs> but I'm still living in the pain, right? But you're gonna die, you're gonna die. And so I get mm. um I I get myself together and I drive to the school which I'm going to and I get there, my knee is swollen as I don't know what and the nurse says, Okay, RJ, we're gonna have to take the stinger out and I'm like, You're not touching me. You don't no, 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 don't touch my leg and she's like, Well, if we don't get the stinger out, it's going to get worse and the pain is going to insist and that's what happens with bitterness we don't get Mm -hmm. the stinger out because that's where all the poison is that's where all the pain is being released and so when we don't get that out we don't get better we get bitter so how do Mm -hmm. we go from letting that pain consume us and ruin us get the stinger out Mm. yeah 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 and sometimes we can't do that ourselves sometimes we need Jesus to come and Yes. yes, I couldn't do it naturally, so yeah. I, I had to have the nurse do it. And right. and so everything we say, we have to realize it's not within us. If we don't have God in our life, if God is not the head of our life, oh, yeah, we're going to be bitter no matter what we try to do because we can't do it. God has to do it in us and through us, but we have to partner with him to do it. So speaking about that, what if, you know, what if you, what if you're just in pain, like in pain, (laughs) it's not going away, you're in pain, then what do you do? You got to stand on the promise, even in your pain. You got to be willing to stand still because God is doing something with the pain, Sometimes we want to just like, no, no pain, no pain. No, we got to stand still in the pain. Let me just give you a quick example. I remember one time having all these symptoms. I would lay down and then just be discombobulated, didn't know where I was, what was going on. And so I went to the doctor, and the doctors diagnosed me with lupus. And so as I began to share with a few people, I've been diagnosed with lupus. They started going, don't you claim that, Jesus' name, don't you claim that. I said, I didn't say I was claiming anything. I said I have been diagnosed with lupus. And the Bible says if there are any sick among you, call for the elders of the church. This is how to do it. And so I said, if if I don't do what the Bible tells me to do in my pain, then how can I give God the glory? How can I tell somebody I know God as a healer? How can I share my testimony that says after the third biopsy, they couldn't find anything? And so whatever you're going through, trust me, God is a healer. How can I say that and be authentic in saying that? I can't. So what I have to be willing to do 
in the midst of my pain, in the midst of the diagnosis, in the midst of my marriage being torn apart, in the midst of my kids going crazy, in the midst of my finances not showing up, I got to stand on the promises of God. What are those promises? Marriage is honorable. Oh, wife, how did you not know that the very things you're doing is not going to save your husband or bring him closer to God? I am the Lord thy God. I heal. I deliver. I supply your needs according to my riches and glory. That's standing on the promise. And that's what we have to be willing to do in the midst of the pain. Stand. Therefore, I say it. Stand. And stand still. Sometimes mm-hmm. we're squirming and moving, but we got to be willing mm-hmm. to stand still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, I think about, you know, the different ways that Jesus healed in the Bible, and some of them were instantaneous, of course. And those are, that's the one we all want, the instant, you know, I ask, you heal me, perfect, straight day. Um, but, you know, other times, other times he would have the person... You know, he put mud on the blind man's eyes, and then the guy would have to go wash in the pool. It was a process. Um, other times, it was a process right with him. You know, he he had to spit in some, you know, do it again. Uh, how's it looking now? Yeah, I can see guys walking around like um, tree stumps, you know. Uh, so it isn't just always, you know, and sometimes he heals by taking somebody home to heaven, and then they're healed forever, uh, which is, to me, a, a huge comfort as well, is that, you know, at some point, everyone will be complete. Every Christian will be completely healed, and and it will be the the challenge here will be over. But if we look at how He's created the world, everything comes in different uh, gestation periods. So, like a rabbit is thirty days, a baby's nine months, an elephant six hundred forty-five days. And when we're asking Him for an answer for our things that we want healed, our thing we want fixed, our pain that we want gone, we really don't know what the gestation period on that prayer is. And we can, we can want it in this second. Of course we all do. And sometimes God does provide that instant healing. And that's so beautiful. But at the same time, if he says, wait, if he says not today, if he says it's coming, but not yet, what is the response of a trusting child? I mean, I think that you're totally exactly right. It's like the distance between the diagnosis and the cure, the diagnosis and the healing the diagnosis and death, whatever, you know, whatever it is, it's, there's a time frame between understanding that I have pain and the point at which Jesus heals me. There's a time there. Our, our job then is to just be so faithful. And I love how you just grabbed onto that stand on the promises of God. And it's uncomfortable to do that because people will say, well, if you have so much faith, why aren't you healed yet? Oh, let me talk about that for a second. (laughs) Because I hear that so often. And don't let me go to a women's conference or something and tell people, share my testimony from the stage about my eyesight. Because I have so many women running up to me with their bottle of water wanting to anoint me and tell me, oh, God says you're going to be healed. Uh, Yeah, I know. He told me that. I'm already healed. So it's like, it doesn't look like that to you, but it looks like that to me because I know what he said. And you may have a picture of what my healing looks like. You may even have a picture of what your healing looks like. But is that the same picture that God has for us? And sometimes 
sometimes we think we are the artist and we know how to draw the picture of what it's supposed to look like. And God is like, okay, but um, that's not how my picture looks. So which picture you want to go by? <laughs> yeah. So, yes, we do have that where uh, women and other people are trying to tell you what God's picture looks like for your life. And it's like, well, I don't know. Because I believe what God told me. And you may not see it, but I believe it. So, yeah. <laughs> 30 years ago or so, Pastor Cole on Moody Bible, I, did you ever hear him? He'd answer questions. People would call in with their questions about the Bible. And he was so wise and so gentle and so wonderful. This night I was listening, I remember, and this uh, gal who was blind called in. And she said, she said, I have a question because um, these people I know told me that if I just had enough faith, I would be able to see. And he said, people really said that to you? And she goes, mm. oh, yeah, more than one person has said that to me. He was quiet for a moment. And he said, Here's, he said do you use a, a, a stick, a walking stick? And she goes, yeah, I have to. I'm blind. And he goes, great. So he goes, next time somebody says that to you, I want you to haul back and just slam them across the shin with that walking stick as hard as you can. And while they're jumping up and down in the air, I want you to just say to them, if you had enough faith, that wouldn't hurt. (laughs) And I thought, what a great, what a great response. You know, it's so silly. It's so crazy of us to say that just because God promises to heal us, he promises to heal us instantly when even Jesus didn't heal everybody instantly. I mean, that wasn't even his pattern. And so why yeah. would we say that God's accountable to us to do that? You know, that makes, that makes us the God and him the slave. And that's not, that's not how it works. So uh, what you, when you're going through this, you have this eye thing still going on. You've got other stuff still going. I mean, you still didn't get all your brain cells back from your brain injury. And you're walking through this. And how do you trust God to reposition your journey then? Trust. This will not go away, will it? <laughs> and RJ, if it's possible for you to move a little closer to your microphone, we're just not quite picking up all the words. All right. So let me try one more there time yeah. and let God reposition my journey while we're talking, because that was a perfect example of God repositioning. Sometimes hmm. we think, oh, this is the way it's supposed to go. I'm on the right track. And even being on the right track, we can get run over, right? Hmm. But when we <laughs> allow God to reposition our journey, we realize one thing. The destination is still the same. So hmm. I had hmm. to experience this personally as I was laying in the bed unable to get around on my own, in a wheelchair, depending on somebody to take me everywhere, help me get Mm -hmm. to the restroom, do everything for me. God made it very clear when I asked him, what's up with this? What are we going to do with this? He said, the journey's still the same, RJ. I'm just changing the route for you. In Mm -hmm. other words, you can get to Vegas by taking two different freeways. But we still going to Vegas. You can get to Florida by plane, by train, by car. But, RJ, we are still going to Florida. So, like you said, how do we trust him? I don't know how I trust him. I just know I don't know nothing else to do. 
because he has never <laughs> right. failed me yet. Yet. Right. And I don't think he's ever going to. So how right. do I trust? I just do. I don't know. And it's not because of what I do. It's because of who he is. It's not because of who mm-hmm. I am that I trust. It's because of what he's done. And we have this mm-hmm. partnership going on. You said 36 mm-hmm. years with your boo, with your man, with your husband, right? Mm-hmm. You you kind of know each other. You you know what he's going to do next, how he's going to respond, right? Mm-hmm. That's me and God. I, I kind of know him a little bit, not presumptuously, but I kind of know. He's going to take care of me. He's going to keep his word. He, I'm his girl. He got me. <laughs> yeah. I just know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really love that. I really love that. It's a journey. The route may seem different than what we expected, but the destination is still the same. I love that. And I love revelations for that. It's I, how good. God was so merciful to include that book in the Bible so that we know the end. <laughs> we know the end yes. outcome. So yes. tell us what you mean by, by where you live life matters. What do you mean by that? Where we live life matters. So where we are in life, how we handle it, it counts. It matters. People are watching us. We're growing by the choices that we make. We are living by the faith that it takes. Where we live matters. And most of us live on the side of fear. So we do nothing, we say nothing, we give nothing, we receive nothing. Where we, where we live matters. It's important for us to understand we have to. If we're going to live this thing out and do what God's called us to do, we've got to live life on the other side of fear. Because that's where life is happening. We could be like that television show. I've never seen it, but I hear it said all the time, The Walking Dead, or we can live life to the fullest. Where we live matters. I know years ago I kind of adopted this way of thinking about, so uh, maybe as an example, when I quit when I quit drinking Diet Coke, I was, I was just very addicted to Diet Coke for dozens of years and um, maybe not dozens, but many, many, many years. And um, I would, I was up to drinking over two liters a day and I had to have it and it was just really bad. And finally, one of the times I quit, I finally quit for good. And now when I, I've had it a couple times since that last time and it just tasted like toilet bowl cleaner. And I was like, wow, how could I ever like that? But um, as I was, as I was, learning how to do life without Diet Coke, I was, I would think it's, I don't, I'm happy because I don't live there anymore. I don't live Mm. there anymore. I don't live in that need for the addictive response of Diet Coke. And as God has healed me from other things too, I've thought of that. I don't live there anymore. I don't, I'm, I'm free of that history. I don't live there anymore. And it's kind of a perception that we have of where we live, how we live, who we live for, all of that kind of stuff. And I, I like your phrase, I, where we live life matters. It's, it's just, it kind of encapsulates all that. It's important to realize that as we're shifting and moving, because I've moved several times. I've moved from New York to California, and I changed environments, the people I was hanging around, the climate, the weather. <laughs> right. 
you know, all that changed for me. And so life is going to change. But it took faith, it took courage, it took confidence to make those moves. So it's important for us to realize that if we're living in a place that there's no light, it's just time to move. It's time to move. And so how do we know there's no light there? When I lived in New York, it snowed probably nine out of the 12 months. What can you do while it's snowing outside? Nothing. I come over to California, <laughs> the sun is shining 12 out of 12 months. I can go to the beach in one day, to the mountains the same day. I can go snowboarding. I can go surfing. Why? Because the opportunities are before me. And where we live, the people we hang around, the choices we make, the activities we do, what do we do with our time? Do we spend all day watching television and then saying, oh, oh I wish I could write a book? You can. Turn off the TV. Oh, I wish I could. You can. Where you live matters. What are you doing with mm-hmm. your time and the opportunities that are before you? And you've got to move. And courage mm-hmm. is required. Confidence and faith are required. It took a lot of courage for you to stop drinking something you were comfortable with drinking. Right? All those years you drink that, you were comfortable with it. But once you gave it up, you're like, oh, should I, should I not? Okay, I'm not going to. That took courage. That took faith. That was living yeah. life on the other side of fear, being afraid of not having that. Well, I got to have it. I got to have it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of kind of brings us to the next point, which is is how to embrace the moment instead of the madness. <laughs> mm. In order to embrace embrace the moment, we have to realize we have a choice. We don't have to live where we are dying. And sometimes we stay in the bed, especially as women. Even though we believe and trust God, we got the cover over our head, crying the same old sad song. Oh, woe is me, or this isn't working. I need more money. I need more people to support me. I need, I need, I need. What we really should consider is how blessed we are and have an attitude of gratitude. And when we have an attitude of gratitude, The mess don't mean nothing. The mess looks marvelous at the end of the day because we Mm -hmm. see what we have versus what we don't have. I didn't have the ability to talk after my accident, but I could use my hands, and God showed me how to get on that computer and encourage people. And even when I couldn't think of the right words, they would fill in the blanks for me. And it gave Mm -hmm. them meaning because now they're helping me as Mm -hmm. I help them. And we're supporting and uplifting and encouraging each other. So we don't have our eyes on the madness. We have our eyes on the miracles that God has performed right then and there in front of us. Mm-hmm. I always it's think about that. It is. It, it's about, it's, it, and like you say, a choice. Stop living where you're dying. Yep. Uh, I love that. Yep. I love that quote. Stop living where you're dying. Just stop that to make a choice. Um, I yes. think about Peter on the water. You know, it was madness all around him, waves, huge, just terrifying, 
madness, and yet when he was able to embrace the moment, locking eyes with Jesus, it's fine. Mm. How can you be fine? How can you be fine in the middle of that? The only way is locking eyes with Jesus. That is it, is just knowing for sure that God's got you. And then, you know what? No amount of madness really matters. Um, If you are confident, if we are confident that God has us, then madness just drives us to him, <laughs> you know? Madness is just like a, a, a red flag saying, oh, run to Jesus, run to Jesus. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's all it is. Yes. It's, it's, you yes. know, it's um, James chapter one, count it all joy, because this is going to make you run to Jesus. Okay, great, good. All right, you've got me. And not that it feels great, not that it's, not that it's something we would go out of our way to get. We never want to go out of our way to get trouble. But at the same time, if trouble gets us, God's got us more than trouble does. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. to say I have troubles. Troubles don't have me. Amen. Amen. So how do you get back up or start over after trauma or tragedy? Once again, let's go back to that word choice. We have to choose that we're not going to live where we're dying and we're not going to die where we're living it's not easy to do, and we cannot certainly do it within our own strength. We have to have a true dependency on God, and we have to allow others to use their gifts in our life, meaning we have to say to someone else, I need you to survive, because God is going to always give us people and put people in our place and in our face that's going to help bring everything together just sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes as women, we're like, I got this. No, I can do it. No, I don't need no help. Thank you. And then five minutes later, we're like, I can't get no help. Oh, nobody help me. I got to do this all by myself. No, we don't. We chose to do it by ourselves. And so that makes the journey of getting back up and starting over or continuing very difficult. We need each other to survive. God says that he is crazy about relationships. And so we need relationship with other people to help us get back up. We cannot do this alone. And then, again, as I said earlier, it really is that faith thing. It's a trusting God that he started something good in us, as it says in Philippians, and he will complete it. We have to say, in the midst of the pain, what am I learning? How am I going to grow? And what does God want to do with this to bless someone else, to bring them closer to him in an intimate way? we got to get our act off ourselves. How do you do that? It is. Okay. It is. Look at you. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, you know, we are built. We are built to be very self-aware. I mean, this is how God created us I, when when he gave us the commandments in the new testament he said love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself which if you count up the you's including the you love the lord your god all that there's eight there's eight y-o-u's in that in those commandments and that's because it's like being on the airplane you have got to get yourself some oxygen first before you can share it with somebody else if you don't take care of you no way can you take care of somebody else? And I'm not just saying physically, I'm saying spiritually, relationally, in every way, you can't give somebody what you don't have. Uh, So when we think about, when we think about that, then 
we uh, this dependence, this getting back up, what happens is that life um, life throws this curveball at us. It's not what we expected. It's not what we were ready for. We don't think we're equipped to do it. It'd be you know on a very small scale, it'd be it'd be like all of a sudden me finding out I did it. I did need to go skydiving. Okay, well that was never on my that was never on my radar. That was not something I wanted to do. It's not something I have any desire to do. No interest in it. Um, I, and all of a sudden I find myself needing to do that. I and mean, this is like a positive aspect of it. But the reality is that whatever God calls us to do, whether it's hard or whether it's good, whether it's in the box or out of our box, he's got us. And so when we go with him, we can be okay, even though it maybe looks really crazy and feels really bad and is very confusing. I mean, your story, I love, I love your story and how you, like, you're a speaker and he's got you laying in bed, not able to talk, you know, how does that work out God? But I love, I love how he said the destination is still the same. Still the same. Hmm. Still the same. This time has just gone by so quickly, RJ. I want to just give a moment here. Um, your website is called the courage giver, uh, com, which I love that name of a website and it fits you perfectly. When people go visit that site, what are they going to find over there? They're going to find hope and possibility. They're going to find a reminder that they're not alone. They're going to find words of encouragement that will help them press into God, press past their pain and Remember that someone is walking alongside of them. They're going to find a community of women who believe in getting underneath other women and supporting them and encouraging them and lifting them up higher than they could ever be lifted up. They're going to find an opportunity to grow in God's grace because that's what God has called me to do, to be a breath of fresh air to remind people and give people a glimpse of good living and the living God. And don't get this part twisted. The good living has nothing to do with materialism. It has everything to do with being where God has called you to be at the time he's called you to be there and doing what he's asked you to do. So that's what they'll find when they go to thecouragegiver.com. That's thecouragegiver.com. Awesome. Well, thank you for your life. Thank you for your testimony of God's faithfulness through difficult circumstances. And thank you for just being so much joy and delight always. It is my pleasure to be me. I don't know anybody else to be and not make an absolute wolf mess out of it. Because I tell you, it's hard doing what God told me to do. So I can't imagine trying to be somebody else. And Mm -hmm. I am so honored that you've invited me to share a moment of time with people who took time to listen to us today or on the replay to be reminded that they don't have to live where they're dying and they certainly don't have to die where they're living. But there is life on the other side of fear. And I want to encourage every woman that's listening to meet me on the other side of fear because that's where life is happening. And I'll be waiting for them on the corner of confidence and courage. Meet me there. Oh, I love that. I love that. Thank you so much, RJ. And you guys can learn more about RJ at her website, thecouragegiver.com, or over at womenspeakers.com under California. She'll come right up there. 
And it's just so great to have you with us today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining us live for those of you who could. And those of you who are listening to the archive, thank you for that. Those of you who host us on your websites, oh my goodness, so honored for that. If you want to do that, all you do is go over to Blog Talk Radio, uh, Perspective Confirm, um Perspective transformation, sorry about that. And then you'll be able to see a little download box there where you can embed that right into your website. And for those of you who have already done that, thanks so much. And would love to encourage you to consider that if you haven't. Also, great stuff going on. If you want to check over at Marnie.com, upcoming um, upcoming trip uh, here very soon for me. And I'll be out of the country for about a month. Coming up real shortly here. We will still have uh, Blog Talk Radio shows going on. We're going to do some pre-records so you can come back every Wednesday afternoon and still get your fix of uh, Marnie's friends. And also at womenspeakers.com, there is some uh, trainings that we got going there. And you can check that all out at womenspeakers.com as well as if you're looking for a speaker. Oh, my goodness. We've got such amazing, godly Christian women speakers available over there. I hope you'll take some time and check that out. Thanks again for being here with us today. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, and we'll see you next time on Perspective Transformation Radio. Goodbye.